Welcome to Brain Health Matters, a show dedicated to helping you improve your health, master your mind, and boost your brain. This week's guest is Del Hungerford, an amazing musician and professor of music. She's also one of the most knowledgeable people in the world on the subject of frequencies for healing. Stay tuned. Brain Health Matters is brought to you by The Musical Brain, book three in the Healthy Brain series. Enjoy the fun and easy practices in this book to improve your memory, sharpen focus, and master your mind with the healing power of music. Available on Amazon everywhere. Hello there, and welcome to Brain Health Matters. I'm Kate Kunkel, and I'm here today with Del Hungerford. Del is a professional clarinetist and music educator in the Northwest United States. She's taught at the collegiate level as well as in the public school system, but I've asked Del here today because she is an intuitive and creative composer whose music is used for healing, meditation, and much more. Thank you so much for joining us, Del. Well, thank you for having me. You know, um, I was so impressed. You sent an email out a few days ago, and um, I believe that it's an important topic because so many people are suffering trauma in many ways, and they may not even recognize it. So we're going to go over that in a minute. But you say you're a geeky classical musician, and you love to research. What do you mean by geeky? Well, you know, I have a doctoral degree, and I think that that just lends itself to being a geek. (laughs) No, if you think about going through all that school, writing a dissertation, and you know, the classical part, you know, that's the creative musical part. And, you know, I went to the University of Washington in Seattle, and it's a, an academic institution. So even when you're getting a degree in music, you know, it was a performance degree. So if I had gotten a degree in theory or composition, it would have been a PhD, but mine is a DMA, which is a performance degree, but I still had to write a full-length dissertation on top of giving three recitals. So you learn to just delve into the research and just look at all the little teeny pieces of, you know, that part of it. And the classical part is just being, looking at the perfected part of music. Sometimes I have to get the brainiac part of it out uh, because it, it can, it's a good thing, but it can also be detrimental. Oh, yeah, for sure. It kind of dampens your creativity a little bit, yeah? It took a long time to get over that. You know, I I agree 100%. I also am classically trained. I started the conservatory when I was four. And and I went all the way through. And it wasn't until I'd been away from it for like 10 years before I actually got creative. And I was well into my 30s before I ever wrote a piece of music. Because I was so stuck on that, on the rules. You know, the, the rules are good. You know, but rules can also be broken. <laughs> and I had to learn that. You're absolutely right. I definitely had to learn that. So to our listeners, I asked Dell on the show this particular time because um, of the email she sent a few days ago talking about music for EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. I think that at this point in history, it's really important for people to have as many tools as they possibly can to deal with trauma, wherever it comes from. And so when Del talked about that, I thought we need to talk about the music that we can use and exactly what EMDR is and can do. So could you explain that a little bit, Del? Okay, well, I heard about EMDR first 
in 2015 from one of my customers. She emailed me. She says, she says, well, can you create EMDR music? And I'm like, what's that? I'd never heard of it before. So I went and did some research and got a hold of a woman who has now passed away, who is an EMDR specialist. And her husband is a musician. And so I went on her website and read a bunch of information. And then, of course, watched hours and hours of videos about EMDR by therapists. I go to the people who are using it. Go, I mean, I guess in order to be an EMDR specialist, you have to go through a lot of training. And I think you have to be a psychologist or you have to have a degree in it. Yeah, that's then you I can understood. add. Yeah, you have you can add the technique as one of your um, things that you can use in your practice. Right. And EMDR music came out of that because what they'll do is, is they'll have like a chime that they'll tone right, left, right, left in a specific rhythm. And the whole point of it is it's to mimic rapid eye movement because we process trauma during rapid eye movement sleep. And so the whole thing with EMDR is, is to take the music parts and do it so that it can pan left to right in a specific tempo or specific rhythm. It's about every three to four seconds that the music just literally pans from the left to the right speaker to give that like toning sound that they would use in these sessions. Right. And so this the, process then that of, of making it go back and forth, right to left, is that that's what's mimicking what's happening in your brain when you're sleeping and processing the trauma? Yes. Okay. And I found this out from this woman. Her name was Holly Cummings. But then I, it was mostly her husband I had conversations with because he's a musician. And he created songs, EMDR songs for her to use in her practice. Gotcha. My producer, well, not my producer, the recording engineer got on the phone with him, figured out how to create the music, you know, to get that panning effect. And so we figured out how to do it. And he, and Holly said, okay, this is what you need to do. Um, it needs to be this far apart and It'll just pan so that we don't have to use the donger thing. Right. Because they literally just took one of those handheld chimes and would go right, left. Because what EMDR is, it takes you back to the trauma. Okay. And you kind of sort of relive it a little bit. She goes, well, I don't really want you to relive it. I want you to think about it and ponder over it and then release it as you're listening to the music or as you're listening to the tone. So different EMDR therapists will do different things depending on their specialty. But the whole purpose of EMDR is, is to release the trauma. And they found it's very effective with people who have PTSD. Right. That's where I had heard it being used before. So um, now this music that you're talking about, if you don't have a therapist, but you have trauma, and for whatever reason, you don't have access to this technology or this therapy, would the music be valuable on its own? Well, I have a page that's on my website called EMDR Music. Okay. After I created it for this woman, I sent her some of the files. And 
I don't know, a week or so later, I get this frantic email from her. <laughs> and she goes, oh my gosh, I listened to this song over. She had felt this heaviness in her heart and she knew she was having a heart attack, but she would not go to the hospital. So what she did was she put this, one of the songs on, I don't remember which one it was, and laid on the couch for three days. And while she was listening to the music, she did this processing thing and she felt that she was walked through this emotional healing process. And her husband would kept, kept coming up and saying, are you okay? Are you okay? She goes, yes, I just need to process some things. And that's all she said to him. And after three days, it went away. Then wow. she goes, now I will go to the doctor. She went to the doctor and he said, yes, you did have a heart attack. But she, what she real, realized in this process is, is that dealing with the junk that had brought her to the place which caused the heart attack, that's what made the heart attack go away. Right. So she was using the EMDR music and she's first of all just started playing it. And then as she did it, then things started coming up. Emotional trauma started coming up. And as she started releasing that trauma, then the heart attack quit. Now I'm going to make a disclaimer here to our viewers. If yeah. you are having a heart attack, don't trust yourself to do this if you don't know what you're doing. I mean, you need to go to a doctor and get get looked after. But this is the, how this woman dealt with it. Right. And, and obviously, there is a way. So if you're having other issues, not something so serious, you can certainly consider using something like this to help you get over because a lot of people just let it simmer and stew until it does get to that point where you're going to have a heart attack or some other serious health issue. So looking after this and using this kind of music or, or other kinds of music, but this sounds like it's very powerful. So I'm a very, I'm fascinated by it. And another thing that was on your site was about diaphragmatic breathing. Um, would you do that with the EMDR music as well? I think it depends on what, how it pans. Uh, Some of it pans a little bit faster than others because um, you would want to do it with the panning. Ah, gotcha. So gotcha. EMDR, most of the time it's done with the headset on, right. but you can do it in a room. And there's another woman who wrote me. This other woman, she ha works with autistic kids. And what she did is she set up a stereo system in the room where she had one speaker, we'll say here, then another speaker there, and see how I am centered between these two? She made sure that the PlayStation, the place where the kids were playing, and where they were, she was working with the kids was right smack between those two speakers. And so then she would have my music playing while they were, she was working with the kids in the center, and she noticed that every time that the music was playing, the kids were easier to work with and they had, they were more verbal. They were more like normal kids. Right. And she is a psychologist or whatever. I can't remember what her, but she's trained in working with these kids. Those are the kinds of things that they're finding out about the EMDR right. that with the music specifically. The music. Right. But right. some people say, don't listen to it forever because too much of a good thing can be too much of a good thing. 
Right. Yeah. You're desensitized to its value. Yeah. Right. So if you're going to have it playing, you want to do it for limited time periods and you want it to be so that you can focus. And that might be where the breathing comes in, but you would have to pick one where the the panning is a little bit slower so that you can breathe with. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You talked about that with autistic kids because I'm a vibroacoustic therapist and the the creator of that, his name is Olaf Skill, and he worked with uh, children with learning disabilities and he found it quite by accident. They He had um, music going in the room where he was teaching these kids and they gravitated toward the bass speakers because he's also a musician. They gravitated toward the bass speakers and that's ultimately how he found that the low vi- uh, frequencies was so valuable for them in that circumstance. They, may, they went right for it. And I've worked with a lot of autistic kids since then. And that's what happens as well. But so frequencies themselves, your website is Healing Frequencies Music. So where does that spectrum come from our particular notes or frequencies like because the the notes of the musical scale are limited right so can the frequencies be be beyond those where do these healing frequencies lie well you know i found that people really want a specific well what frequency does this well what frequency does that and they forget the part that has to do with intent I believe that intent is just as important as the specific frequency. You need a frequency recipe, which involves intent, the musical frequency, and what you're going to do with it. So there's really three parts that go into it. So, for example, I have been releasing breakthrough and restoration over our nation. So, all right, I can have that right on the back of a frequency off of a particular song that I create. But the, that's all, the song that I created is only part of the picture. My intent for releasing the breakthrough or the restoration comes, they pair them together. They create an arc of energy, you know, because it takes a positive and a negative charge to create energy and electricity. Well, why do we think that's going to be any different with any, with any other energy we create? So you must have intent with the frequency it's any and that's with any kind of healing yeah whatever we're using whatever modality whether it's uh, um, sound or whether it's essential oils or food it's all about intent so but what is bilateral music is that where you were talking about things going right to left like in the emdr music so emdr basically is that whole panning thing and so they use emdr and bilateral as you know they're the same thing Okay. But bilateral just explains that it's moving. Okay. It's this slow panning. So if you're watching my hand here, it's this slow panning that would be like every three seconds or four seconds, it pans from one side to the next. And what it does now, some of them, there is some EMDR music where it just has the straight music in the background, but it, it hear you hear a gong that's going off, right, left or left and right or you know, whatever. And I did not want to do that because to me, it felt like all of the music should pan. So mm-hmm. as it's fading on one side, you know, it comes, comes to the middle and fades. It just, it, it's just like you're in a room and watching something move like this, right. Right. but you're hearing it move. 
Gotcha. I'd like to talk another about another one of your projects called the Resurrection Code. And on it, you have on the label 713 hertz. That's pretty high. What does what does that mean? The 713 frequency, I listened to a guy named Dr. Ogben Naya. Actually, he's a former Jewish rabbi who has now turned, he's kind of in the mystical realm. I'd say you mystical Christianity gotcha. realm that he is. And he had a teaching which is no longer on youtube he took all of those teachings down that talked about the 713 frequency and in a vision he was taken to a scripture in john 1 1 where in the beginning was god and god was the word you know god you know was the word and the word was god and looked at the gematria of that and somehow was shown that that is Seven, the number 713 is an important number, and I have it all written down somewhere, but I don't have it memorized, so I'd have to go look it up. But the whole point is, is he was saying it's a resurrection frequency in that re it resurrects you from one point to another. So it's basically another word for restoration, I'm guessing. And he goes, everyone should be drinking water with this frequency in it. I'm like, done. So I went, as soon as I listened to the teaching and I took all these notes and went and created a song, tuned my keyboard so that I could get that frequency, which is the F above um, its fifth line F on the staff. So it ends up being about the four, 448 concert pitch. So if you tune your keyboard to A equals 448, that F, uh, uh, fifth line F will sound 713 hertz. So that is just where the healing, the, the resurrection, the restoration would happen at that frequency. Okay, I gotcha. So then the other thing is, um, you talk about the 432 pitch, I also tune my harps to 432. Because I feel it is much easier on the body. Could you explain to our viewers what the difference between 440 because most people if they're musicians certainly have heard the 440 tuning, and why it would be perhaps a little bit different for your body and for healing to have instruments tuned at 432. So when you are tuning to 432, you it's like choosing your font. Like what is the font <laughs> on the word brain health matters that's behind you? Right, right. So you yeah. choose your font, then you adjust all of the letters in the alphabet to match that font. Right. So 432 is a font. Then you tune all of the other notes on the musical scale to match that font so that right. they they play nicely together <laughs> exactly. so that they're all so that they all work well together right. so when you tune your a above your piano to 432 all the other notes on the piano are going to line up with that particular a right then you just right. squeeze it up a little bit to a440 you're just raising the pitch so it's a hot it's a little bit higher so right. obviously the number 432 is lower than 440 so that pitch is going to sound slightly lower than the 440. That's all it is. Yeah, I just found, and I, I mean, I played professionally for many, many years in Las Vegas, and we ended up putting our harp, our harp and guitar down to 432 because it was easier on our hands. You know, when you're playing six hours a day, it was just easier, and there was just the two of us, so we could do it and get away with it. But now, as as I use it more and more, I feel that it's more healing to me, and I I think that's an important note to make to people that you will find there's a frequency or there are frequencies or a range of frequencies that make you feel better. 
And this, the whole idea and the reason I want to talk about music this month is because I truly believe that as, as resonant beings, we all are, everything is resonating all the time. It's important for us to be aware of the things that make us feel better. And when I work with 432, I personally feel better. My heart is calmer. My Everything just feels calmer at that lower frequency. And viewers and listeners, when you're surrounded by sound, as we are most of the time, it's really important to be aware of that. You know, whether it's the booming of a bass in the car next to you, or it's it's raucous music when you're trying to eat, because that's not good for your digestive system, or whether it's just music that you're listening to while you're working, be aware of it because it does affect our bodies. It affects our hearts and ultimately our brains. I agree with you that 432 is easier on your body. Think about it. You're out there walking on the ground all the time and you are literally coming in contact with the earth. Right. So therefore you are picking up what's coming from the earth. And if everything in the earth tends to fit within the 432 concert pitch, it would make sense that you're coming into tune where you're coming into alignment with the very thing that, that you're sense. walking on. Del, this has been amazing. Is there something you would especially like our listeners to go away with a technique or some words of wisdom that you think could help them use music in a, an effective way? Well, I, what I started doing when I do my sound baths is I record them and send them to people so that, and then I send them affirmations based on the musical notes that I chose, based on the intervals that I played. Because it's great that we listen to music, but what makes the third piece of it work is what you do while you're listening to the music. So for example, when my friend was doing her healing thing uh, that I talked about at the beginning, she was doing something while she was listening to the music. So, for example, if you do an affirmation and, and you're walking in fear, you're very fearful about what's going on in the world around you, you can just listen to the music and have something before you that you are releasing and speaking over yourself because we know that words create and that our bodies are living out of what we have said. So when you are listening to music, it's with an intent and also put your words into it. Mm. because they have a vibrational frequency themselves. And so it becomes this round thing that's releasing something into your system. So I think it's important to decree and declare and affirm over yourself what it is you're looking for. Wow, that's very powerful because a lot of us have the intent. We, we, we set our affirmations in our mind, but the actual expression of them is so important. I, I kind of forgot about that piece. So thank you. I think that's really important. Del, you have some music that you give away on your website, and I would love you to tell people about it because it would be a great way for them to also learn more about you. Well, if you sign up for my newsletter, I have freebies all the way throughout it. And as soon as the moment you sign up, you get a free song. You'll get that one right away. And then I, ha I have other freebies hidden throughout the various emails. I'm like, mm, let's have a scavenger hunt. <laughs> oh, how fun. So people and will I, actually get value because then they will actually read and understand. That's so important. Right. Well, and it, you know, going back real quick, three things that work together, they, it creates a bond. It, it creates a governmental authority of something. 
It takes three notes to build a musical chord. All these things come in threes. So your intent plus the music plus the action. So the action is the words. And I just tell people, whatever music you're listening to, it's like going to the doctor and him giving you some antibiotics. You take them for 10 days and you're consistent with what you do. Why are we not doing that with healing music? We just put it on and think, oh, the frequencies in this music are going to heal me. Well, get your intent towards healing and then put your words, put some action to it. Perfect. Del, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much. So welcome. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Brain Health Matters. Be sure to subscribe with your favorite podcast service so that you can get all the latest episodes when they're released. 